As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hey, it's Andy. We tried to record later because we didn't want to miss any breaking news, but... We apparently didn't record late enough because right after Ari Wasserman and I finished recording today's podcast, we learned through the folks at the NFL Network that Trevor Lawrence has tested positive for COVID-19, and he's going to be out this week against Boston College. Depending on when he tested positive, he could be out next week against Notre Dame. Got a statement from Clemson head coach Dabo Sweeney. Trevor has authorized us this evening to announce that he has tested positive for COVID-19 and is now in isolation. He was doing well with mild symptoms, but will not be available for this week's game against Boston College. While we certainly miss Trevor, this is an opportunity for other guys to step up, and we're excited about competing against a very good BC team on Saturday. Go Tigers. What that means is get ready to be wowed by DJ Ui Ungalale. This is Clemson's backup quarterback. They've used him a little bit. He's a freshman from California. His dad was a bodyguard to the Stars. He is massive, 6'4", 250, huge arm. It's going to be scary because what Clemson is going to do this week and possibly next is show you just how good the Tigers are going to be for the next two years with DJ Uyunglele playing quarterback. So that that's the thing. This is the one team that could definitely handle something like this, even if it costs Trevor Lawrence a, a really big game in ACC play, which the Notre Dame game next week certainly would be. But DJ Uyunglele, I think a lot of people are pretty excited to see him play. Good to hear that Trevor Lawrence is doing well and, and should be able to recover from this very well. But it's going to be a really interesting next couple of weeks because obviously this is the highest profile college athlete in the country. Obviously the highest profile college athlete to contract COVID-19, but I'm not sure it's going to slow down the Tigers even when they play Notre Dame if they don't have Trevor Lawrence. And now on to the show because Ari lost a bet and he's got to pay it off. You knew you knew Michigan was going to come back to get him at some point. Here's the show. Somebody made a dumb bet and somebody has to pay it off. And for the first time in the history of the show, that someone is not me. Ari Wasserman, you ready? Yeah, I uh, think it's funny that I think we first should discuss that how ironic it is that Michigan was the team that got oh, me. It, it gives me great joy 
that Michigan was the team that got you. For those who don't remember, Ari was certain that Minnesota would cover against Michigan. I don't even remember what the line was. Michigan beat Minnesota so bad it didn't matter what the line was. Michigan destroyed Minnesota 49 to 24. Looked fun on offense for the first time in forever. Looked great. Joe Milton could be really good. Yeah, I actually think that my entire perspective of the Michigan team this year has changed because as if you listen to last week, and I'm sure you guys did because this is a great show, <laughs> I thought that two things would happen. Either Michigan would look like they used to and Minnesota will take the next step in the Big Ten and you know show that last year wasn't a fluke or that Joe Milton would prove to be um, more athletic and more exciting than quarterbacks of uh, years past at Michigan and that they would roll. And the one thing that I thought could happen did happen and it's not the thing that I bet on and now I'm here to pay the consequence but I think it's a head-to-head battle right now and I don't even know if this is a profound thing to say but the second best team in the Big Ten is Michigan and if it's not Michigan then it's Wisconsin and Wisconsin doesn't have a team right now so uh, yeah which is is sad to say but um, it's unfortunate reality of the current situation but I'm pretty big on Michigan I don't think they can beat Ohio State but I think they can beat everybody else. Well, and the thing we, we've always talked about is is that special quarterback is worth several blue-chip players. Right. It can help you make up a, a deficit of blue-chip players. And look, it's been one game. But that's a good defense. They had not everybody back, but they had some guys back from last year. Same coaching staff on that side of the ball. I really think we probably saw a much improved Michigan offense and, and that Joe Milton could be pretty good. Yeah, and I just want to know like what his ceiling is. I don't know. I know people were criticizing his ability to throw accurately and yada yada yada. But like in terms of just athleticism, pretty damn accurate to me. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. And you know, I know we're probably going to get to the Michigan Michigan State game on this podcast. But it, you know, if we don't, then we don't. And I just want you to know that I'm laying the points. <laughs> uh, if I die doing what <laughs> well, I'm we doing, are, we are going to get to that one because I have some some thoughts on that line based on what Michigan State did last week and and just. It's sort of one of those lines, and we've got a couple of those this week that sort of encapsulate the weirdness of this year. And so it's it makes it hard to predict what's going to happen. But yes, I can accurately predict what happens next on this show, though, because you must pay off your bet. You are not a dark beer fan at all. Uh, you say that that attempting to chug dark beer will be similar to me trying to eat mayonnaise, which I'm not sure anything is going to be that violent in terms of gag reflex. But you've got a Guinness... I've got a Guinness, a sympathy beer. I don't have any issues drinking dark beer. Well, so. let's be honest, too. You literally risked nothing last week because you like it. So, like, no matter what happened, you were gladly going to do this. So, I don't know if the it's a sympathy beer. I was beer. gladly going to do because I, I thought I was going to be right, and I thought you were going to have to do push-ups. Well, before we get into this... This one, I, I really wasn't sure. Before we get into this, I just want to make sure that we're all on the same page. So, I bought cans because the bottles were more expensive, and I'm going to throw it I out. I got a can, too. Best when poured into a glass, though, and I have a glass. Okay, that's that's what I was going to say because it says best into a glass, but I uh, moved into my girlfriend's condo, and she doesn't have man beer um, mugs. So it's just going to be a regular regular, um, cup. And the thing, Andy, that you need to know about me is I haven't had a sip of dark beer since I got violently drunk off of it. When I was um, in my early twenties, and like just looking at you pouring it is making me sick to my stomach. I don't even recall what Ooh, it tastes. That creamy head. Ooh boy, I have not, now Guinness is not something I regularly order. In my younger days, I would order Guinness as part of an Irish car bomb, and 
I thought I had a bottle of Jameson, so I, I was going to do an Irish car bomb in, in your honor, but somebody drank my Jamesons, and by somebody, I mean me. Uh, and so I did not have the Jamesons that I thought I had. But, yeah, I know your preferences tend toward the, uh, oh, what shall we say, the, the whiskey that tastes like Red Hots. Uh, I saw a receipt from Las Vegas where there were many, many, many shots of Fireball taken. Yeah, that actually isn't my favorite whiskey. Um, that was the whiskey that I was drinking As with well my it friends. shouldn't, but it serves a purpose. It served the purpose, which was getting hammered in a bar while watching college football. Um, but I also like to sip on Woodford Reserve at night, just a, a glass to take oh, the edge off. wrong with that. Um, yeah. and, but if I'm not much of a booze guy, but I like 1942 tequila. Um, goes down smooth, but my favorite beer on earth is Bud Light Lime, um, which tells you all you need to know about <laughs> me and my beer tastes because it's light. You're, from your it's, lips to God's ears, are you? It's, wow. It's easy to Bud drink. Bud Light Lime. Dude, and like Corona always has those commercials about find your beach. Whenever I take a sip um, of Bud, of Light, Bud Lime. Light Lime. So Bud Light Lime, you, you, you like Bud Light Lime because it's it's like drinking Corona without the effort of having to put a lime into the bottle. Nailed it. Wow. And that also is the laziest beer preference I have ever heard in my life. What did you what did you think was gonna happen? Also, I like that you can drink fifteen of them and still be awake. Uh it's the perfect party beer, it's the perfect beach beer. And I like the fact that you could be in uh, a wintry snowfall in Toronto in February and look out the window with a Bud Light Lime and you feel like you're in uh, um, Southern California. So I, I like all the things that are up. I, I, I live in Florida. It's always warm. Uh, so here, here's the thing. I I am not – oh, boy. He's, he's, he's going to do it. Oh, we should probably just let you do it before we get into the beer talk. But I am not a beer snob. I I do have my cheap, trashy beer taste, like Natterdays by the pool. Mm, doesn't get much better than that. But I do like to go a little higher end – when I'm just drinking at home, I like the the bourbon barrel age stuff. So the 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 stout here is kind of right up my alley. So uh, you're gonna chug. I may or may not chug. I don't have to. I didn't lose the bet. So I'm just gonna have some sympathy sips, and uh, you go right ahead. I'm actually legitimately terrified. I I can't wait. So I'm gonna put my mic down, and if I go out of the frame, it's because I need to hit the sink. Because like I don't like this is like. Terribly. Bring your mic with you if you can. <laughs> okay. Everybody um, had to hear me with the mayonnaise. No, I know. Um, okay. Here we go. Let's rock and roll. Here we go. Ari is putting it to his lips. Oh, he has <laughs> recoiled from the, uh, the, from the aroma. It's so gross. Can I put my mic down and close my nose? Do what you got to do. All right. So Ari is... He's not putting his mic down. He's he's going. He's going. It's going. Wow. Going, going, gone. Oh, he's he's gagging a little bit. It's all right. Oh, oh, you okay? Hold on. Hold. 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 Oh, you got rid of the Guinness mustache. Don't do that. You survived. You did it. You did way better than I did with the mayonnaise. Oh, that is true. You're now forgiven for everything you've ever said about Michigan. That is truly, truly awful. Yeah. I I don't know. You are forgiven for everything you've said about Michigan. But go blue, by the way. I'm going to keep on sipping this sucker. It's just awful. I don't know how people drink this stuff, man. 
Oh, he's going to show me up now. Pure Andy mode. Uh, I hope I took it like a better man than you, you did. did with the mayonnaise, but like that was you really, absolutely did. I didn't want to. I didn't want to lose my. I'll have another uh, bartender. <laughs> Do you, no, so I, you like the way that tastes? Yeah. Oh, that's that's easy. That's great. I, I, again, I wish I still had some Jamesons to drop in there and turn it into chocolate milk, but I'll take that. <laughs> There's something in my can. Am I an idiot for not knowing what that is? No. There's something. It, it's in every Guinness can. I can't remember exactly what it is. Again, Guinness is not something I typically order, but yeah, they, they do that. And look, that's a fine, fine mass-produced beer. That is delicious. Yeah, I I'm gonna take the other three and throw them in the trash. So uh, I am I am proud of you, Ari, because that was that was not easy. You were you were very close. You were just holding on <laughs> for dear life. Which that's what I was doing with the mayonnaise too. Is holding on like don't puke, don't puke, don't puke. Yeah, and like with alcohol, you always have like an extra a chance of doing it, but. You know, it wasn't as terrible as I thought it was, but I think it's more so everybody has that that alcohol that they're traumatized by, you know, going a little oh, bit yeah. too hard when they were in college or something. And I was drinking dark beer, and I thought at the time that it was the same alcohol content as like a, just a genuine light beer because when you're 21, you don't <laughs> as know. As a Bud Light Lime? Yeah. And I drank a ton of them, and it was the night before the NCAA tournament I was covering, and I was – I don't remember what city I was in, but it was the worst hangover. I mean, I was violently sick, and ever since then, well, I wasn't being able to drink that Think about stuff. the volume of stuff you're putting in your stomach when you do that because it is significantly heavier than what you're used to drinking, which you, you kind of – it kind of just goes right through you. If you – like if you were planning on drinking a lot of beer – in the course of a day. Like if you're planning on Andre the Gianting something and going through an entire 12 pack in a day, it needs to be like Bud Light or one of my personal favorites from college, Michelob Light or Miller Light or something like that that just it's basically alcohol flavored water and it just goes through you. Yeah, I I my personal preference there's no you know how every beer not only tastes different but the time and where you have it also tastes different. There is nothing better than a Friday night uh, Bud Light Lime or Bud Light or Coors Light or Miller Light draft on a Friday night on a, in an ice cold glass. There are significantly better drinks than that on a Friday night. <laughs> no, I just significantly like, better beers and better cocktails. I don't know what it is, but I find uh, domestic light beer to be the most refreshing uh, alcoholic drink a person can have. Uh, it just after two or three, you have a nice solid buzz and it's light, and you don't feel like you're gonna you know, get sick. And I, I just find it to be quite refreshing. Well, I am glad that you conquered your fear. Again, you did better than I did with the mayonnaise. Now, neither of us threw up. So there's, you know, we got that going for us. You were close. I was close, but I, I was very proud of you because you hung in there because there was a second there where I thought you were headed to the toilet. Yeah. I, uh, I didn't, I, my goal wasn't to look pretty doing it. My goal was to make sure that I took it with more dignity than you took the mayonnaise. So did I pass that? Ooh, fighting words. <laughs> well, yes. I mean, I think you probably... I would say you did. Uh, you probably hate mayonnaise more than I hate dark beer. Um, but, you know, actually I have a nice little... I hate mayonnaise more than almost anything on earth. So yeah. that's why. That was my first but, drink of the week, too. So it's nice and it's going to set the tone for the rest of the podcast. I feel a little uh, little loose now. <laughs> You're probably, I was going to say, you probably got a little bit of a buzz there. You took that pretty quick. So. Mini buzz, yeah. But I, I'm just, 
I'm so proud of you. And again, you did take it with more dignity than I did the mayonnaise. And, and that's good because, you know, you earned that one with a lot of negative talk about Michigan through the years. And, you know, I feel like every Michigan fan is going to watch that video of you nearly retching and feel some measure of vindication. Yeah, I mean, I hope they feel more happy about the excitement of a new football season. Um, and I am hoping that they continue to do this. I think that the world of college football, and this is an unpopular take in Columbus, Ohio, and amongst the team that I used to cover, but I think it's better for college football when they're great, when they're good, when it's exciting, when there's another exactly. Big Ten team. I, I think they should be great. When, yeah, it's better when Oklahoma and Texas are good in the Big 12. It's better when... Florida, Florida State, Miami are all good at the same time in the state of Florida. You're absolutely right. That that makes this interesting. And Michigan looking better, looking like a potential challenger, that is a great thing for the Big Ten, not just Michigan. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Now, let's talk about this week. Michigan State at Michigan. We're five years removed from trouble with the snap. You know, the, one of the craziest games anybody ever saw. But Michigan State is coming off a loss to Rutgers in which it turned the ball over seven times, lost five fumbles. Michigan is a 24-and-a-half-point favorite. This has been bet up from an opening line of Michigan minus 23. No confidence in the Spartans. But here's my thing with this game, Ari. So last week was Mel Tucker's first game with Michigan State. Now, you could say, oh, he doesn't know what he's doing. But we've seen Mel Tucker as a head coach. And he looked like a very competent head coach in his time at Colorado. Uh, especially, you think about that, that early season game last year against Nebraska where he really had him ready to play, and they end up beating Nebraska. And you start, you know, that was when that, that preseason hype train that Nebraska was going to win the Big, e, Big Ten West, you're like, oh, maybe not. That, that's probably not true. But... Mel Tucker had his team ready to go. My guess is there was a lot of stuff that they would have liked to have gotten done that they couldn't with the pandemic. And I'm betting that they button up a lot of the sloppiness that was a problem last week. Now, here's the thing. The opponent is much better. But here's the other thing. Losing five fumbles, there is an aspect of luck to that. You're not always going to lose five fumbles. Sometimes you might only lose one of those. So what I'm saying is a very long way of saying there's a really good chance Michigan State is much better than it looked last week. I still don't know if that's good enough to beat Michigan. Well, I think the question isn't. So I think we have a pretty good idea of what Michigan is and can be. Um, and that's a 
above average team that should be able to compete with everybody, maybe except for the big three. And I'm wondering how bad is Michigan State this year? You know, and, and the thing that's really hard to to do after a first week game is a how bad is Rutgers this year? Are they much improved under Greg Schiano, mm-hmm. um, or right. is Michigan State going to replace uh, Rutgers in the basement of the Big Ten this year? And you know, last year when Michigan and Michigan State played, I think Michigan won by a hundred. So, like, I don't think that it's out of the realm of possibility that this so and so rivalry game will go off the rails a little bit. But Michigan's defense is pretty good. And Michigan State's offense is truly awful. And I don't really know what um, to take from the first two games because we also don't know how good Rutgers is. But my inclination in you know, the way things are going right now is that Michigan will be able to win by four touchdowns. Well, so you are taking I'm Michigan, laying the points. Laying the points. I, I don't disagree with that I, because Michigan is going to be so much better than Rutgers even if Rutgers is better. And we'll find out how much better Rutgers is. They're playing Indiana. It's the Indiana team that beat Penn State last week. So, uh, you know, does Indiana experience that hangover after that win? Does Rutgers experience a hangover after its first Big Ten win in forever? I I don't know. But I do think you're right. I, I think Michigan is probably that much better than Michigan State. Mark D'Antonio did not leave much behind. The recruiting at Michigan State had had basically fallen off a cliff and that is what Mel Tucker's mandate is is to improve. And but he he got put in a pretty difficult situation. He, you know, he's not your typical first year coach because remember, D'Antonio went to February before he decided that he wasn't going to coach anymore. And so Mel Tucker got got put in that spot where he didn't really get to put a class together at all. And this is so he's essentially a year zero coach. And I don't know that you can you can really count whatever happens against him. I think you got to count that against Mark D'Antonio who put Michigan state in this situation. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, there is some talent left over uh, from the D'Antonio era, but the thing about the D'Antonio era was his best teams were years in the making and Michigan state was not in one of the years or one of the periods of time where they were up. So not only that, they had some, you know, defections out of the program and there's a new coach in charge, and recruiting was at a weird spot. And it's going to be a three or four year rebuild. Now, the question with this rebuild is always going to isn't going to be how long is it going to take for them to compete for a Big Ten championship again. The rebuild is is how long are they going to be in the dumpster and down in the bottom half of the Big Ten with Illinois, Rutgers, and, and Maryland. And right now, it looks like that team, you know, having lost to Rutgers last week, is is going to be in a position for a pretty tough season. So. You know, I have some confidence in Michigan uh, to to be a team to really get people's attention, and I think Michigan we're going to really know who they are in four weeks because they have Michigan State this weekend, um, which should be no problem. Then they have a game at Indiana. Then if things go according to plan, they have to host Wisconsin. That's a pretty tough first month. Um, but to me, the the thing with Michigan has always been athletic potential and the ability to to you know, rise up and, and face teams that have recruited better than them. And I still have questions about whether Michigan can beat or play with the best teams in college football, but I don't have any questions. And the thing Harbaugh has done pretty easily is, you know, go through the Big Ten and beat and win the games that they should win. And this is definitely a game that they should win, and I think they're going to roll. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you there. And it's just one of those things where they feel like they're in such a better place as a program 
and it's really we saw their quarterback play in a competent fashion for one game, but that certainly looks repeatable. That looks like something they can duplicate quite a few times. The thing that I think is so exciting about Milton is this, is that he's a raw athletic talent with a monster arm who, when things come together, could be a boom guy. And I like the idea of boom or bust for Michigan because they've spent uh, the last five, six years without a quarterback where you really thought that he could rise up and do something that he's not able to do. We all knew who Shea Patterson was. We know who who these guys were, who Jake Rudock was. Like, I know who, you know, these guys were. But Milton could come out and turn into Patrick Mahomes, and it's physically possible because of the body type that he has. And I think that's super He's exciting. He's ceiling. Yeah. yeah you want arm. I mean, yeah. they, they haven't had a high guy with ceiling. arm like this in forever. Don't you want a high ceiling at Michigan? What they were doing wasn't working. So get the guy out there who's super talented, somebody who can develop into a monster player, maybe take this offense into a more competent place after you know Josh Gaddis' experiment got off to a rough start last year, and let's see where we are in a month. And I think it's a possibility that Michigan could be the number five, number six team in the country in that span of time, especially if they play and beat Wisconsin. Let's talk about the biggest game in the Big Ten, and, and this has been the biggest game in the Big Ten each of the last four years. Ohio State and Penn State, this is the least buzz about this game really since before that 2016 game, which Penn State ended up winning. It was a shocking thing for everybody because we'd, we'd watch Penn State get shelled by Michigan, and then we watched them barely survive Minnesota. And suddenly here was a team that suddenly looked capable of winning the Big Ten, and they did go on to win the Big Ten. But it doesn't feel like they've gotten really any closer to Ohio State. They've played some close games against Ohio State, but – we're now two years removed from the the difference between good and elite speech that James Franklin gave after the Ohio State game. That difference seems bigger now than it did then. Well, let me correct you, Andy. The biggest game of the week in the Big Ten is Indiana at Rutgers because you got two Big Ten East leading teams squaring off for Big Ten East supremacy. I don't know. How could I forget? All right. Well, let me ask you then. Ten and a half. Indiana <laughs> minus ten and a half. That's been bet down from minus twelve. You, you taking the Hoosiers in the points? I am. No, no, I'm, I'm laying the points. Uh, and this is a favorite week. I don't know what it is, but I like the favorites. And I think that Rutgers uh, and Greg Schiano did a great job. I'm super happy for them and their staff. And, you know, it's not easy taking that job and succeeding. And not that he has yet, but it seems like they're on the right track with what they're doing in the recruiting realm and all the things that are, you know, occurring in, in, on Saturdays. <laughs> especially winning for the first time in my adult life. <laughs> what has it been, three years? Um, it's been a while. But it doesn't it's mean that they're... It was similar to Arkansas. doesn't mean that they're back. I think Indiana came into this season as a potential seven-win team with the adjusted schedules, or six-win team. Uh, this is a team that won eight games last year and has a pretty potent office and offense, and you wrote about uh, Pennis Jr. this week, who's a really good quarterback who made a big play. And I know that there are emotional letdowns and... The week after game sometimes could be three nothing Indiana at the end of the second quarter, and you know, Lord knows that we've seen enough of those Big Ten games to know they exist. But I have confidence in Indiana's ability to keep this going for at least another week. It's been so weird for them to actually compete and win. How Indiana, I guess, would it be for them to turn around and get dropped by Rutgers? I mean, I, I can't see it. I st- Very I feel- Indiana, but I think I the still- one thing that helps Indiana in this game is is that. They played really badly on offense for three and seven eighths quarters against Penn State. They were terrible still won. on offense for 
and still won the game. So uh, Michael Penix Jr. had a, a great drive at the end and then a great overtime. Now, if you go back and look when he was the starter last year, he completed 68% of his passes. That was an unusually bad game for him. And, and really, it was because Shaka Tony or, or Jason Owa was in his lap on almost every play. So if Indiana can block a little better, I don't think Indiana has a problem here. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's like, again, we don't want to overreact to results. And we don't want to overreact with the Indiana result. We don't want to overreact with the Rutgers result. But the fact of the matter is, is that Indiana was the play in the first week. I mean, I, on this podcast, I said this is the, I think they can win outright. So what they did, though surprising that it happened, it wasn't a surprise to a lot of people who put money on those games before the, the game started. So when you ask yourself the question going into the Indiana Rutgers game, which team is more likely to be what we thought they were? I think Indiana's win over Penn State is more in line with what we think and know about this team than what Rutgers did against Michigan State. So I think it's possible that Rutgers is still not possible. I think they probably still are one of the two or three worst teams in the Big Ten. I don't think they're going to win five or four games in, in the Big Ten Conference. And it was a nice step in the right direction to beat uh, Michigan State and capitalize on the turnovers. But I think Indiana is closer to being the product that we saw than Rutgers is uh, from last weekend. So you got to lay the points here. All right, back to lovely State College, Pennsylvania. This thing opened at, at Ohio State minus eight. It is now Ohio State minus 12. No confidence in the Nittany Lions from, from the gambling public. If you got Ohio State minus eight on this game, I hope the, you put the deed of your house on it. Eight? Wow. Eight? Eight. I was at dinner with a friend on Sunday, and he looked over. There's another was, line this week that's, that's similar to this, by the way. Yeah, I can't wait to get to it. I was like, I thought he was joking. He's like, did you see Penn State's only eight-point favorites? And I went and I looked at my phone, and they were already at 13 and a half by the time I looked. But if you got eight, then and just plan your vacation now. Um, I don't know, and I had a really hard time breaking this game down, as funny as as confident as I sound, because everything that you would look at from a talent standpoint, from the way Penn State played in week one to the awful way they lost that game to the turnovers and the missed field goals and Clifford throwing the ball nine feet above his receiver's heads, it looked terrible. And I know that Penn State isn't that, and it might still be the best team or second best team that Ohio State faces in the regular season this year, but Micah Parsons opted out. Journey Brown's not playing because of a medical condition. Noah Kane lost. Is Noah out. Kane first series. Yep. What are, what is it that we think is the reason why this would be less than a two touchdown game? Is Penn State going to come out and stop Ohio State from scoring forty? Did you see that offense last week? And I get it. Traditionally speaking, uh, Penn State has done a very good job of playing close games with Ohio State. There's no team more apt to p- compete and play with Ohio State than Penn State in the Big Ten Conference. There's no question about that. But when you look at the rosters and the team and the circumstance of this season specifically, what has Penn State done or what does Penn State have that gives you any sort of trust that they're going to be able to hang with Ohio State on Saturday? Because they used to play them close isn't a good enough reason for me. No, I'm with you. It's It doesn't feel like this is a close game at all. And it's sad because you want there to be a challenger and it. I realize Ohio State fans are loving just steamrolling the rest of the Big Ten. It's not good for the league if one team just bigfoots everybody in the league. There needs to be somebody to provide some resistance during the season. Uh, if, if not, you get Clemson in the ACC in the last few years. You know that's that's what Clemson has been in the ACC since 2017. 
where they have just completely dominated the league and it doesn't feel like anybody else has a chance and it never feels like anybody else has a chance on a given Saturday. And that's not fun. So it's, it's, and again, that's not Ohio state's fault. Ohio state is doing everything it's supposed to do. It's everybody else's fault. They've got to, they've got to figure out how to get near Ohio state's level so that they have a chance. And it's just, it's just not happening right now. Speaking of not having a chance, Mississippi State's going to Tuscaloosa this weekend, Ari. I know. I know. There, there, there are lots of players down. Kylan Hill gone. Uh, reportedly, some other players are, are gone as well. Uh, this is an offense that has been basically non-functional since the first week of the season. They were great against LSU, but that was more Bo Pelini just blitzing them and daring them to, to carve them up, and they did. Now they're going to play the probably the best defense in the SEC West, and certainly the best offense in the SEC West. Alabama opened as a 33-point favorite. That has been bet down to 31, but this feels about right. And I don't, you know my feeling on large spreads in Alabama because Nick Saban does not tend to run up the score. But I have a feeling, I don't know that Mississippi State can keep that from happening. Yeah, so people have just figured out, defensive coordinators in the SEC have just figured out how to cover Mike Leach now, right? Like, they just kind of get it. No more man. I mean, they just took the Washington. I mean, Washington knew how to do it all along, and they took the Washington blueprint and used used it with their very good defensive backs and linebackers and have them dropping into coverage and uh, rushing three. And a lot of times, if you're an SEC team, you got three pretty good defensive linemen, too. Yeah. So... Yeah, it's it's a problem. So Mississippi State doesn't have a chance keeping the three rushing Alabama defensive linemen out of the backfield, right? Like you're not catching anybody. There is some chance. I mean, every once in a while they will. You're you're basically putting yourself in a position to out athlete Alabama, and it's on the road too, right? It's in Tuscaloosa. It's uh, in Tuscaloosa. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I I don't know. Eventually, when we get down our list, I'm going to take the points somewhere, um, but I'm laying here too. I I. Uh, I'll give let me you, you want one where you might want to take the points? I'll give you one. I'll give you one right now. Arkansas at Texas A&M. This opened at minus 15. It's been bet down to minus 12 and a half. I'm surprised it hasn't been bet down lower than that because the history and again, I know you hate this history of the series thing, but I'm telling well, you Arkansas is tough too. I mean, I could take that into account. Well, Arkansas Arkansas is much better than it has been, but even when Arkansas stunk these games tended to be close. Five of the last six years, it's been decided by seven points or less. So these games are heart attack inducing no matter what. And this is the best Arkansas team probably since 2015 or 16 that Texas A&M has had to play. And this may not be the best Texas A&M team of that, of that span, but it's probably close to the best one. And I, I'm excited for this game because this is the game Texas A&M needs to win to prove they're different, that they can they can win a big game and then they can win a game they're supposed to win because they, they beat Florida, you know, they beat Mississippi State. They're supposed to beat Arkansas, but Arkansas is going to give them a challenge. Arkansas has had two weeks to prepare for them. Arkansas is healthier on defense than it has been all season. Remember, Bumper Pool, their best player on defense, did not even play in the game where they shut down Ole Miss's offense. So... This will be a big challenge for Texas A&M. If they can win this game, it will prove a lot to me. Now, I don't know that they can win this game by 13 points. So I I think Arkansas is going to cover. 
I don't know that Arkansas is going to win, but I'm pretty sure Arkansas is going to cover. I uh, am with you on this. And it's funny because when you're talking about Texas A&M, my gut feeling, or not my gut feeling, I guess the way I would describe it is is that Texas A&M is a a lot like Pitt to me. You don't ever really quite know what you're going to get out of that team. And... You know, no. I, and when you say is they got to prove that they can win games that they shouldn't win, I think they already did that. I mean, they beat Florida. That was the biggest win. Is that one of the biggest no, wins? No, I know that. That's that's the big game. Yeah. But you got to be able to win all of these and not have that random team that you're supposed to handle easily beat you. And every year they've been in the SEC, with the exception of the first one, that ha- that game has happened once or twice. Yeah, I think that that's what's going to happen here. I don't know that they're going to lose, but I, I I would take the points here too. I love what Sam Pittman has done with uh, Arkansas's toughness, and I love teams just in general that are never an easy out. And Arkansas is not an easy out this year. Um, and you know Texas A and M is flying high. Uh, they got that win over Florida. They're feeling good about themselves, and despite the fact that they had already been embarrassed by Alabama, there still seems to be something to play for in terms of trying to get into the top two spots in the sec, you know, they, they can win. They can win every game left on their schedule. Absolutely. They are capable of doing it. It's a, whether they can pull it off or not is another question, but they are absolutely capable of winning every game on their schedule. Right. And for whatever reason, they're the team that is also in the Texas category of not as good as their talent indicates. And it would be refreshing to see them come out and beat Arkansas by 30, because that would be in line with what you would expect but you know what? As we said on the show before, too, Arkansas is a top 25 team in terms of talent on their roster. Pittman's got a personality to this team, and, and I'm with you on this and taking the points. All right. Let, now, let, let's go to one that I don't think anyone should touch with a 10-foot pole. Missouri at Florida. I knew you were going to say it that It opened at, at Florida minus 15. It's now Florida minus 12 and a half. I have no clue what is going to happen in this game because I don't know who's available for Florida. I don't know what Florida's going to look like after three weeks. Because remember, it's not three weeks of practicing. It's two weeks of doing nothing and one week of practice. Yeah. And when last we saw Florida, their defense was not great. And Missouri's offense seems to have gotten better and better every week. Yeah, yeah. I think that in a weird wor- uh, world where all these teams are on different schedules and some are playing every week and some aren't, it makes it super hard to handicap these games. Because on one hand, you could say, listen, Florida's fresh. They're healthy. Uh, They haven't practiced or beaten each other up for a few weeks. They have one week of practice under their belt. They're ready to go. But on the other hand, too, you know, college football is a game of sequence and schedules and doing things on the same day and momentum. Right. And I'm with you on that as well. I, I don't know where I would begin. I think Missouri is a better team than people give them credit for. And I actually like the... Re- but, I, but I think when Florida's offense is clicking... Who's stopping them? There are very few defenses yeah. in the country that can stop them. Yeah. So if, no. they, like if, if Florida comes out flinging and Kyle to Kyle is, is going, it doesn't matter what Missouri does. But if, let's say, Florida doesn't have everybody they need to have, let's say the defense is, is as shaky as it's been all year, this is a very close game. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think in situations... And as we do this podcast moving forward this year, in situations where things seem to be a little iffy or weird, you're always going to see that I have a tendency to take the points in those scenarios. And in this scenario, as much as I think it's possible that Florida could drop 45 or 50 on Missouri, if things get rolling, I don't know that I'm confident enough in the lack of um, continuity in their schedule for me to feel like their defense is going to be able to stop Missouri at a high level and their offense isn't going to be stopped. So like for me, 
this is a Missouri a Missouri game, and I'm taking the points in that scenario based on what's going on there. All right. Now I'm going to get the the one that if you'd have seen it at the opening, you'd have probably jumped all over it. This might be a D. I don't know if it's a D to your house game because this is a series where a lot of weird things happen. Uh, if you listen to to Wednesday's show, you heard me and Brody Miller talking about how this game, for whatever reason, most years produces maximum angst for both teams. This is LSU-Auburn. Currently, it's LSU minus two and a half. It opened at Auburn minus two. Within seven hours, it was LSU minus two and a half. Now, here's why. If you watched Auburn-South Carolina, you saw what looked like two fairly evenly matched teams. And then you saw South Carolina go to Baton Rouge and just get housed by an LSU team playing a backup true freshman quarterback. That was my play of the week last week, and it did not go well. No, no, absolutely not. And so LSU looked phenomenal. The defense was not really much better, but played well on third down, got off the field, and played well in the red zone. So I guess that is better. But the offense looked amazing, and it was because they built a game plan around Finley that was simple for him. They, they didn't ask him to do too much. They didn't ask him to do all the things that Miles Brennan does, that they asked him to do what he can do right now, which is enough, plenty. And the offensive line helped. The running game came on. So you've got an Auburn team that's kind of finding itself offensively, but a lot of that finding themselves is realizing, okay, Tank Bigsby's really good. Let's hand him the ball, and let's throw it up to Seth Williams. LSU can do exactly what South Carolina did, where they can stick a, a big-time cornerback. It was J.C. Horn for South Carolina. It's Derek Stingley Jr. for LSU. Or, I don't know, Ricks, the freshman, might also be worth throwing on, on him a little bit. But basically following Seth Williams around the field because I'm not scared of anybody else in terms of catching passes for Auburn. That's the guy I'm truly scared of. And if I shut him down, I'm going to win this game. Is Elias Ricks already a first-round pick? Well, Stingley was by this time last year, too. <laughs> yeah, so. that guy's an animal, an absolute animal. He's fantastic. Yeah, no, and I didn't mean to, yeah, so. you know, I, it's tough. I The thing about it, too, is that LSU was kind of a confusing team. It's like their defense was in shambles. South Carolina was a team that seemed to be able to put up some points. I didn't see the blowout like that coming. And now you're back to square one and you're wondering what team is LSU? Are they more like the one that can be exploited on defense that we saw the first few weeks of the season that suffered a few losses? Or are they turning back into the more athletic, more talented team that can overpower you with big studs like Elias Ricks and Stingley in the back defensive backfield? And they have guys, they've got dudes on that team. And, you know, and that's, that's what happened last week. I think, you know, South Carolina would hit a pretty big play but then LSU could could come back with a negative play and and sort of counteract that and put South Carolina in a bad down a distance situation. Uh, Ali Gay has been just a an absolute treasure of a find out of junior college. And uh, Ojolari has been outstanding as a freshman coming off the edge, too. So that's that's the thing. They've gotten better at, at getting after the quarterback. Bo Nick's a little more mobile than Colin Hill, so he may provide a little more of a challenge there. But still, that's one thing. If, if you're going to give up as many yards per play as LSU is, then at least have some sacks and some negative plays to counteract the big play. Because you can hit a big play, and then you get sacked, and you get put in a terrible 
down a distance, and it doesn't matter that you hit the big play because now the defense knows what you have to do. And I think that is, is going to help them going forward. I, and this is one of those things. We are going to see teams evolve over this season. And we may, it may take until game five or six or seven to see what they really are, which is crazy because the season's almost over at that point. But that may be the case with LSU. We may not see what they are until right now or until the next game. I don't know what side I'm on on this one. Is it okay to just say you don't know? It's okay. That's what I said with the Florida thing. Yeah. I mean, Florida, Missouri, I, I have no idea. I would feel comfortable taking LSU here. I would have felt really comfortable taking LSU plus two. I was so that would have felt great. disappointed by Auburn because I thought after the first game, the way they looked against Kentucky, the offensive firepower they have on that team, that they were going to be much better. And it's kind of they looked. Yeah, it's just disappointing. They looked like they'd grown up a little bit. They and did. Then it hasn't looked that way since. And, not, you know, the thing is, they should have lost to, to Arkansas. They got bailed out by the refs there. They got bailed out by the refs against Ole Miss. This team could be in a lot worse shape than it is. It's three and two. It could be one and four. So this is one of the, and again, this is not a, this is not like 2016 where the loser was going to fire their coach and LSU did lose and did fire less miles. But this is one where they're, they're already pretty much out on Gus right now. And, and look, I know Auburn sort of vacillates between out on Gus and Gus is the greatest and, but they're going to, they're going to swing back toward way out on Gus. What is it now? This one. What is it now? What, where, where are they? 21 million if they decide to fire him after this season. That's, I don't think that's happening. That's where we are, though, <laughs> knowing the buyout. That's where <laughs> that is where they are. We'll be back to talk more college football right after these words. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Speaking of buyouts, are we on our way over to the Big 12 now? (laughs) We are. I'm glad you mentioned that because we have Texas at Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State minus three and a half in this game. But Texas already took a massive L this week. So tell us about about Quinn Ewers. Texas is going to win this football game. Wow. (laughs) I'm back, baby. Uh, But all kidding aside. Ari's back. Texas isn't back. Um. It was a really tough loss, man. Um, and we've talked about Ewers um, on this podcast before, the number one overall player in the 2022 class, quarterback from the Dallas area. And I thought might have been or was supposed to be the most important prospect of the Tom Herman era. And it turns out it actually might be just in the wrong way. Um, yeah, could, going to play for Ryan Day at Ohio State. Yeah, I don't know how that happened or when it happened, but it happened. Uh, he decommitted uh, late on uh, Wednesday evening. And now, listen, Texas has two top 100 
uh, quarterbacks in the 2020 class on their roster. Um, Hudson Card is one of them from the quarterback factory at uh, Austin Lake Travis. And, you know, they've got some town on there. And as Max Olson has written, um, Texas's quarterback room is is in a pretty good spot in terms of depth. Um, but you don't lose the lifelong Texas fan from the Dallas area who also is the poster boy for the 2022 class um, if things are going well. And, you know, I know that I probably put a heightened importance on recruiting results than most people do. Um, I also think, and I will never be told not to think this, even though you try, that athletic directors should and sometimes don't put a credence on what the results are or have been in that realm. And they're more result oriented in terms of wins and losses. But if you're the athletic director of Texas and you see that the biggest piece of the program's history is no longer coming there, it makes you less likely, or at least adds another element of, is this the guy for this job? So, you know, losing twice already in the season is tough. I know that Tom Herman has assembled talent and we've talked at great length about how well they've done in that area but the safety blanket is uh, is out of there now. And, of course, in this cruel world where people are making up rumors about Urban coaching Texas and Ohio State coming in and taking some of the best players out of Texas and Tom Herman's Ohio State history and, you know, even his friendship with a former assistant coach at Ohio State that's no longer to be named, you know, you have this, like, weird, torturous idea that, of course – uh, at the end of this, when you lose the quarterback of your future, of course Ohio State's involved because why wouldn't it be uh, with Tom Herman? And, and it's kind of like the way things have gone for him since he left. Yeah, it it is. It's a trajectory issue now, but you can change trajectory by winning because if you win a bunch of games, your trajectory is fine. So that's the the more immediate issue but how many games do they have win to win games? this year for you to think their trajectory is fine keep on winning them to the- like this would be one they'd need to win because here's one where oklahoma state looks like the better team oklahoma state right now looks like the best team in the big 12 they look like the most complete team in the big 12 that said i know what you're going to tell me oklahoma and texas are both more talented than oklahoma state therefore they have a chance when they play. I'm also not just relying on that. I'm also relying on the fact that uh, Big 12 teams in general are, are pretty close together in terms of just like the way the, the, the game is played, the style of the game. It's harder to run yeah. the table in the Big 12. And I think just right at the point where we think that Oklahoma State is going to be the representative or the potential representative out of this Big 12 team uh, conference to be in the playoff, they're going to get dropped. And I think that they might lose two or three times this year. And just because they're undefeated so far and you know they've had – overcome some quarterback uh, injuries and some some things that might not have been easy and you know they've got Chuba Hubbard and Tylen Wallace and Illingworth is a nice backup quarterback to, to Spencer Sanders like they, they've got guys but yeah, they, they I, actually have a backup that they know can play I, which I, most teams don't I just don't know when the other shoe in the Big 12 is going to drop and I've got this gut feeling just based on the way things have always gone that this is going to be it so and, and Oklahoma well, Tom State Herman is, will be your best friend if you're right I mean that because he's got to win this one. This this is one where the Texas fans, especially after the the news of Wednesday night, are are really upset. They're they're checked out. They want some reason to hope. This would give them reason to hope because honestly, this puts Texas back in the mix. For now, what they'd still have two conference losses, but there's a there will be a team with two conference losses playing for the Big Twelve title this year. It's going to happen. 
Yeah, you know, and I think that the idea of giving up on the potential of a season in week five is kind of stupid, and we know uh, teams are able to bounce uh, back and, and rattle off some wins, and you know, and I'm not necessarily confident in Texas's ability to do that, uh, especially considering the fact that they've already lost the game that they usually are building up for um, in the Red River Red River Showdown. Um, but they actually do have a pretty manageable schedule. We call it shootout. We're, Showdown, we're, we're shootout. I actually, we call it, I have to Google that every time I write about it because I can't remember which one it is. Well, shootout's the one we're not allowed to say anymore. It's just like you're not supposed to say world's largest outdoor cocktail party for Florida, Georgia, but that's that's what we call it, it unless we want to call it the the, the planet's biggest solar-powered libation celebration. Yeah. That's my alternate name. Yeah, why don't we just call things what they were for the last hundred years and um, – you know, because it talks about booze, Ari. <laughs> you can't talk about booze when you're talking like, about a football game. After I chug Guinness on your podcast, <laughs> um, exactly. But you know, their their schedule is manageable. West Virginia isn't as bad as they were last year, but that's a winnable game. Kansas State um, to end the season, and then well, Kansas State becomes the biggest one. Well, I, the next one if Texas could get past this one. Yeah, well, that's the the end of the game. So the, the here's the the actual chronological order: West Virginia and Kansas after Oklahoma State. Both of those are winnable and should win games. Then they close out with Iowa State, and then at Kansas State. So you know they've got kind of a tricky schedule, and if they can finish the season eight and two, I think you got to feel good about that, especially considering the fact that your two losses would be a close loss to TCU. Ari, Ari if they finish the season eight and two, they're playing probably playing Oklahoma again for the conference title. Good. I mean, so I guess yeah. That, that's but that's that is I, I think that's wishful thinking. It is. It is. It's I'm not. What about I'm not what there. about this team has told you that they're going to consistently win games? I don't know how we got into the frame of mind where we think that I think that because I hope that's not how it sounded. I think they're going to win on Saturday. I don't think they're going to run the table. Okay. All right. All right. Well, and that's fine. And I again, and I brought this up many times on this podcast. I do not worry about Texas showing up in games like this. Texas always shows up for big games. It's the games they're not supposed to be too worried about that you worry about them. And but two weeks ago, they, you gave me kind of a hard time about my take about keeping a coach around for a prospect. But and I wrote this yep. in the story that I I wrote about Urs on uh, Wednesday night. You, it, it should not. It should not be your. It should not be one of your ultimate deciding factors. I think more so than anything, and I wrote this in the story is that this is a symbolic loss more than it is a, a loss that's going to crush the program. I think it's more of an indication of where things are headed based on where you are with a Texas-born quarterback than it is about the trajectory of the program. Because all kidding aside, they should be fine at quarterback if one of the two quarterbacks on their roster uh, to replace Sam Ellinger work out. And by all indications, two top 100 players, one of them is going to work out. At least be able to do what Sam Ellinger did. But losing, Have you watched Texas the last... 11 years. I use the word should to protect myself. So cut me some slack here. Okay. Okay. And all right. Cause but Garrett Gilbert was a very, very highly rated prospect. Yeah, I get it. And so trust was me, Shane Bouchel. I'm not trying to rationalize. And Shane Bouchel wound up being a very good quarterback. I'm not trying to rationalize Quinn, Quinn Ewer's decommitment because it's a terrible blow, but it's more of an optics thing than it is a tactical thing at this given time, especially because we don't well, know. What how, they're well, okay. Go. All right. Back up, back up. You told me that it was a reason for them to keep Tom I Herman. I agree. And I think And that, now you're saying it doesn't matter that he decommitted. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm pick, saying it's an optics pick your, thing. Pick your spot here, Ari. That's not what I'm saying at all. I, I personally think, and if you uh, go read the story when you're done, you'll see that I think that it's one reason to question whether or not Herman has it. What I'm saying is, is a recruiting 
miss from an optic standpoint could be a reason to fi- to to fire a coach as a result of you having faith in his ability to do that. I'm I'm not saying all I'm saying is the quarterback missing on doesn't mean that Texas is now without a quarterback and this is a catastrophe. All I'm saying is right. now No, it's not. This is that, this is more symbolic than, right. than anything. And this is why I said and I think you can move you on don't from keep a, coach. a coach because of a recruit and you also don't fire a coach because of one recruit. This is but but, but now in conjunction if with all the results, recruits decommit, then you do. In conjunction with the results, it's another data point. Yeah. And they have two right. losses on if 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 Texas was five and zero right now, um the optics of this decommitment would be much different than they are right now. This is something that happens in conjunction with poor play on the field. Would it have would it happen if they were five and zero right now? Uh maybe. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but if I were a five star quarterback, I would go play for Clemson, Alabama, or Ohio State if I had the option. Exactly. That and, so, and that's that's the other piece of this that we didn't we didn't mention. If if Ohio State is indeed the place he winds up going, which is what the buzz seems to suggest. Well, let's look at let's look at Ohio State. They've been very successful at that position the last few years. So if you're making a business decision rather than an emotional decision, of course you'd take Ohio State over Texas. But now that the re- but what I wanted to get to, Andy, is that now that the decommitment has happened, do you feel any different about keeping Herman than you did before? Because when I first mentioned the idea that I recruit. No, could but save- I'm the one who said it doesn't matter that he's got him. So I can't possibly say that it matters that he's lost it. I know, but the feel's I different, think, though, right? No, I think it is. It felt bad before. I think it feels. I think this. I think if you read the tone of Texas fans as a result of the news from Wednesday night, the tone changed from "this isn't going well" to "defeated," and it wasn't a loss on the field. I, I think that it was. But it might have been the, the last that's straw. Fans, didn't we just talk about Auburn? They're out on Gus. Six, you know, six months out of every year, it's all right. They'll come back if you win games, and then they'll stay away if you don't. So that still becomes the ultimate determining factor: is win games. And as you routinely point out, <laughs> Texas has the most talent in the Big Twelve. No, I agree. Therefore, Texas should win games. Yeah, you're not, and that will that will determine what you want to do at the end of the season more than anything is did they win games? If I were an athletic director, I would look at the entire picture of how they performed on the field, the development of the players on my roster, and also how the recruiting results are going in the in, in the future. And I don't think that you would move on specifically because of any one of those one things, even though losses tend to be the one thing that indicates that. But what I do know is that if I were on the fence to keep a, co- a coach – and I wasn't 100% sure that I wanted to move on. If they had the number one player in the country committed at the quarterback position, it might be a reason to think about keeping him. And now that he's out on of this class, I'm the same athletic director. I might say, well, not only is he losing games, but his recruiting class that we were so excited about in 2022 because of this five-star quarterback is no longer intact. And thus, this might be an easier, better time for me to make the change that might be hard to make if and when it comes down to that. That's the only thing I'm saying. And I and I think that it's a symbolic loss that is kind of encapsulating what's going on in Texas right now. Not only are they losing games in the Big 12, but they're not even the team to go to for a lifelong Texas fan in their own state that's a quarterback who could be the face of the Longhorns program when that used to be the no-brainer. So if they win this week, it will be incredibly meaningful for Tom Herman because it it helps – get you back on track, 
It proves you can beat anybody else in the league. It proves you you have the capability to win out, even if you might not be able to. If they lose this weekend, though, and again, Oklahoma State looks like the better team this year, then I don't know. It, it becomes pretty dicey after that, no matter what happens the rest of the year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's already dicey, but uh, I, I hope that uh, it'd be fun if Oklahoma State could keep this going. I don't know if they're good enough to do that. I mean, I don't know. Are we loving Oklahoma State because they are the symbol of uh, the Big 12 and keeping them alive in the playoff hunt? Or do we love them or do we like them or do we root for them because they're actually good? Like, are they actually good? I I, I like them because they play pretty good defense and because they seem pretty complete offensively. And I didn't know that. I wasn't sure how I felt about that till I watched them last week and, and got to see Sanders play another game. And he came back and he looked good and he did what he needed to do to beat a, a pretty good Iowa State team. So, yeah, I feel like they are they're actually a, a fairly complete team that if they were to get out of the Big 12, they might actually fare better than the teams the Big 12 has been sending just because they, they do play us in play. Well, it's impossible teams. to fare worse. <laughs> exactly exactly so i mean that that's i don't know i just this is one of those i don't have a huge feel for it you're taking texas i think oklahoma state wins this game the hook gives me a little pause on on saying oklahoma state covers but i'm gonna go ahead and say they cover three and a half points they're losing outright they're covering okay i'm not putting a bet on this <laughs> <laughs> we, we, you're not going to put me in a position. Of, How many times do I say Texas is back before it's humiliating? I, yeah, but I don't have a good sense of what I need to make you do. Okay, so all right, we'll, we'll that's that's the thing. We'll do that next. You know what we'll do? Um, how about this? We'll watch the game this weekend. We'll take it into account, and then over the week, we'll discuss what would be the worst thing that we have to do. And then, if you are right or wrong, we'll just make the penalty more extreme for the next bet. Or we could put it out to the people. Put it out to the people. People are diabolical, but let's do that. Okay. One's going to so, be Ari needs to power clean his car. <laughs> I am taking I am taking Oklahoma State to cover. Ari is taking Texas to win outright. Again, un, again, a lopsided bet. I'm taking the points oh, okay. if we're going to make a bet. I'll yeah. give you the points. Yeah. You can have the points. You can't, okay. you can't so, take the best of it. All right. No, I'll, by all means. I'll take Oklahoma State to cover. You'll take Texas and the points. And we will let the listeners decide who what the loser gets to do. And the thing is, they're going to probably know who the loser is while they're deciding. So if they watch the game and Texas wins, which means I lose, then they can come up with something that will be horrible for me. And then if Oklahoma State wins, then they can come up with something horrible for you. And I, I think I'm that's actually the most afraid of like what could happen here. In, in an election week, that is the most democratic way to decide it. So that's that that is what we're going to do. But we have very important business, sorry, before we finish this podcast. We have a random ranking. And of course, it is October 30th. Tomorrow everybody's trick or treating. I I've got my Halloween costume ready. Is your is your Halloween costume yeah. ready? Or do you like it putting a sheet over your head and your ghost? No, I put a sheet over my head usually when I'm in public, but I uh I have this uh, sexy cop. SpongeBob 
square pants uh, costume that I wore in college that I've ha- I've had for ten years, and what? I live in a condo development, so I don't anticipate that any um, kids are going to be knocking on my door looking for candy. Okay, all right. I, I, I know the people are going to get to the side, but I'm going to throw a suggestion out to the people. If Oklahoma State wins, Ari has to go shopping for groceries in his SpongeBob SquarePants costume, and it must be on video. That's an interesting one. Especially if I have yeah, to go shopping. If I have to go shopping like in the middle of next week where there's no context for the costume. Exactly. That's what makes it even better. Yeah. Oh, I've got to go. My. I've got to go find this uh, thing. It's been in the trunk of my car for the past ten years. So, uh, <laughs> ten years. Wow. <laughs> well, uh, you know, do you ever have? Uh, well, you, you have a truck. To, you may need to pressure wash it. You, uh, you have this uh, truck, so it's not like you. But sometimes, when I have things that I don't want to throw away, and then I feel like I should keep, um, but I also don't ever have the energy to bring it into my house. Like I've had things in my trunk for the past, you know, five, seven years that I've, like, bought new cars. But this and means put, you've gone to a different car, right? I've bought you, a new car and taken the stuff in my trunk of the old car and put it in the trunk of my new car. And SpongeBob is one of those things. Yeah, and um, not that this is a bad thing, because I just I just finished it, but Bruce Feldman's um, meat market was in the trunk for a while. And then I... Well, good. Now you're ready to read Flip the Script yeah. about... Coach O and LSU last year, which is is Bruce's new book, and essentially it's a sequel to Meat Market. Yeah, the guy's a god. I I just wanted to, a, a shout out to Bruce. Congratulations yes, on the we new. We're very lucky to work with with him. And I I'm on record. I I think Meat Market is the best book ever written about college football. I haven't gotten a chance to read Flip the Script yet, other than the the excerpt that we published on the Athletic. But I will be reading it very soon, and I am very excited because Meat Market was was so so good. So. But we, we do need to get this done here, Ari. Okay. Random ranking, best Halloween candy. And I realize we just did best candy bars, but we're bringing in whole new universes of candy here. It's not just all chocolate. It's, it's what, what do you want in your pumpkin-shaped bucket when you get back to your house, assuming you're a child. So what is your number five, Ari? Okay, so I first want to... Um reiterate that the fact of the matter is is that even though we did candy bar rankings i don't want to be held to the same rankings of the candy bars oh ari it's been on an entire week you can do whatever you want okay yeah because well i just wanted to make sure that we know that going into a (laughs) store like the playoff committee we start with a clean sheet of paper (laughs) no i know but you do agree that the experience of what you buy in the candy aisle of a grocery store or gas station as an adult is a much different experience than what you get as a kid or give out as an adult on 100%, Halloween. 100%. Okay. 100%. Okay. So, yes, by all means, the what we talked about last week, put it out of your mind. This is okay. Ari as a kid in his SpongeBob costume with his plastic bucket. Trick or treat, smell my feet, give me something good to eat. If you don't, I'll call the cops and they will give me lollipops. What's your number five? Nerds. You know, the little boxes of nerds. Oh, good choice. Um, now I'm feeling very inadequate that I left them And off. I don't, I don't, um, I would never buy nerds. I don't think I've ever had nerds on any non-Halloween related situation in like the last 10 years of my life. I don't even know if they sell them in, in gas stations along with the candy bars. They might. Yes, they do. I, I was a, I ate a lot of nerds. As an elementary schooler. Yeah, I think that... Because they, they had the box and there were two flavors. There was a flavor on each side. Yeah. And I just want to... I want you to know that I 
I am taking this into account based on the currency that I felt in like my bag as a kid. You know, when you when you were a kid and you had a pillowcase or whatever you took out and you finished the night trick-or-treating and all the all the stuff that you got, and you finally were able to go home and like look through your haul. There were certain candies that like had different value as if you were robbing a bank. And I said this on uh, the uh, Ohio State podcast with Landis, but when you rob a bank, not that I ever have, but I'm assuming you open up the bag full of money and you separate the currencies based on what's more valuable. And I looked at the candy as yeah, valuable. You're, you're happier about Ben Franklin than you are Ulysses yes. S. Grant. You're happier about Ulysses S. Grant than you are Andrew And Jackson. my number exactly. one on this list will reflect the highest level of currency of candy. So NERS is amazing, and I think it's cool that it makes the noise. It brings character to your Halloween bag, but it's not the best candy on the list, but it had to be on it at number five. Man, you have put so much more thought into this than I have, and I feel terrible. I put more thought it. into the random I, I, ranking every week than anything we're talking about with college football. I know. My number five, a blow pop. Not a Tootsie Pop. Blow pop. Which is an inadequate substitute. <laughs> and certainly not a dum-dum, which just tells you you're a cheapskate. Blow pop. Specifically a cherry blow pop. Those are outstanding because it's a lollipop and it's gum. Yeah, the gum is terrible, though. No, the gum is not terrible because you get the little bits of cherry lollipop in the gum, Do you, making it amazing. Yeah, well, you the, the key to a good blow pop is you have to take a bite. Out. You don't if you suck down all the way to the gum, you're a psychopath. You have to chew on top Nobody of the gum. Does that? Okay, I'm it's just like, saying. It, it, That's now. I, I know. I said Tootsie Pops are, are a pale imitation, but it's like the old commercial. How many licks does it take to get to the the center of a Tootsie Pop, Mister Allen? It's a one, a two. A three. Crunch. <laughs> yeah. Three. Well, there are people. That's exactly what it is. Who are listening to this podcast who will suck down on a blow pop all the way down to gum. And I want you to know personally that I think you're a psychopath. And they just have the gum on a stick. Yeah. No, no, you can't do that because the, the only way to get the little bits of cherry in your gum is to bite the and crack the, the blow pop itself. And then you take that off and, and you can chew that and, you know, finish that off. And then you have your piece of gum with some blow pop still left on it that you grab that and just yank it off and then you should start chewing and then the blow pop kind of melts away but you get that flavor while you're chewing the gum which by the way the flavor of the gum if it were by itself would last about nine seconds yeah i um, people do weird stuff andy come on uh, you you know this <laughs> all right what's number four number four for me is butterfinger and this didn't this did not uh, make my random ranking for candy bars but it's certainly a staple in the holly uh in in the halloween well and, and you mentioned currency the the word currency when you're talking earlier if you're butterfinger is a good trading candy. yeah even if you don't like i'm it's not my favorite but i know i can get something good back if i trade a butterfinger to one of my friends yeah i didn't put that into account but that is absolutely right and butterfinger is definitely something that you need to have in your bag get that bag my number four airheads this is this is one that I probably wouldn't buy just by myself, but loved getting it in the basket. And there, you know, it, it's it's gummy. It's I mean, it's taffy basically, but it's not as stringy as taffy. Like you can't just pull it and it, it keeps going. But I love Airheads. It's it, very similar flavor profile to Nerds, just a different texture. Yeah. I love Airheads, too. They are just so annoying to open. <laughs> yeah, because if it's sucked down on the, yeah. onto the Airhead, if the foil is sucked the all ass. the way down there, 
you, you need you need a blowtorch to yeah. get that thing open. Okay, my number uh, three is Kit Kat. Um, Kit Kat is the candy bar that I think I could eat the most of in one sitting without getting sick of it. Like I think also a good chance of getting a full size Kit Kat at Halloween, but you might get the half size one and you're not feeling bad about it because that's still two sticks of Kit Kat. Yeah, when I was a kid, my parents used to take me to uh, the rich neighborhoods for trick or treating the bigger houses because you know they went to Costco and got all the big bars. Um, oh, but yeah. what, let's. Uh, I'm just going to leave it at Kit Kat, and when we get to the higher rankings on my list, then we'll we'll delve into more of the size situation. All righty, that sounds so dirty. Yeah, uh, my number three is Skittles. I love Skittles. It's one of those that I rarely ever think to buy, but if you have a bag of Skittles, I'm going to probably take half your bag or more. It's just, it's a satisfying crunch down on it, and then it's not a hard shell underneath. It's 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 a really soft, good chew, and a great flavor. They, they have the best cherry flavor of any candy. I love Skittles. I love them. Yeah, the red the red Skittles. It you know if if you could give me a bag of just red Skittles, it would make me one of the happiest. People I like the here. alternate flavor Skittles too. You know that they've put out. I don't know if you've had them or not. See, I, I that this thing. The older I get, the less candy I eat. So yeah. a lot of the newer stuff is is a little bit lost on me. But uh, until it's Halloween, I, I I only know about the Halloween stuff because I have to go buy it, and I want to make sure we're not the lame house. So now we're not doing the full size. Bars. We're not. We're not those people. But you know that. Uh, let's get to your number two. My number two is Reese's peanut butter cups, and I'm assuming that's going to be your number one. There's no thing in Hollywood in the Halloween world that is more valuable than a individual Reese's cup, both in the trade market and in how you felt your haul was as a kid. That's what like those were the hundred dollar bills that came out, and you know when we get to the number one, I'll explain this a little bit more. But Reese's is the unquestionable average size or normal sized candy that you could get in your bag as a kid. It's actually not on my list. What? And and that's only because it's it's not the thing I would choose. I like I said in our candy bar rankings, I respect the hustle. I respect the combination of chocolate and peanut butter that is pretty unbeatable that satisfies the most people. I get that. But it's not my favorite thing. We know what my favorite candy bar is. My favorite candy bar is Snickers. So my number two is not just Snickers, but full-size Snickers. That's right. When you find that house, those people who went to Costco and said, I am going to show up all of my neighbors and make everybody else look like a complete cheapskate. And I'm going to hand out full-size Snickers. There is no more valuable piece of currency in a Halloween bucket than a full-size Snickers bar. My number one, king-size Snickers bar. Oh, king-size. See, I think that's just overkill. The, the, what sort of psychopath hands out king-size Snickers? It's, you know what? We're talking about currency here, Andy. When you rob a bank, you don't get gold coins, but they exist. Sometimes you get Sorry, it. Sorry, as a grown-up, have so as a grown-up, have you had to give out candy yet? I haven't, no, because I've only lived in apartments and condos. Okay, so let me let me explain it to you as someone who's done this for the better part of 10 years it would be extremely expensive and also 
You do not want to be those people because the rest of the neighborhood is going to look at you differently after that. They are going to, they're not going to respect you and be like, oh, look at, look at how Andy went all out and gave out king size stickers. They're like, Andy's a dick. He made us all look terrible. Why would he do that? And also, you got to get some new neighbors, man. All that money? You got to get some new neighbors. Oh, no, no, no. My neighbors are great. And this is, this is, this is the, a neighborhood that parties on Halloween. Give like, me. It is a big party here. But we have one house that gives out full-size Snickers. And we all look at those people askance. And when they post on Nextdoor, we're like, mm, those are the people that, that try to show the rest of us up. No. Respectable people give out fun. I got a king size Snickers as a child, and it was the greatest thing that's ever happened to me in my entire life. It's my number one. I'm sure it was, and I'm sure it was a complete psychopath who gave it to you. Was there a razor blade in it? (laughs) That's not funny to joke about, man. Uh, You know what, man? It's a wise tale. It's supposed to be number one on my list, and it's not supposed to be easy to get. That's why it's number one. (laughs) What what do you think? And obviously, if you if you don't accept king size and full size Snickers, that is Halloween. Because I don't think of full-size Reese's candy bars. I don't think of any other full-size, maybe Kit Kat. But Snickers made my number five on the candy bar rankings, and you were appalled. There's no better Halloween haul in the history of mankind than pulling out a king-size Snickers out of your bag. It happened to me. If it didn't happen to you, then I'm sorry that your childhood wasn't as fulfilling as mine. But I know that in the event when I buy my next house, I will... Do what makes you're going to give out king yes. size Snickers bars. I am 33 wow. years old and I remember it. Why wouldn't I do that for them? Go to Ari's house. Kids. Yes, I may go to Ari's house. Yeah. Hey, I'll bring my pillowcase. Um, load me up. I just want to say something that's unrelated to candy real quick, just to get it into the end of the show before you reveal your number one. But as we're recording this podcast, Texas lost another commitment from a 2022 prospect. Faison Wilson of Lancaster, Texas, top 200 player gone out of their 2022 class. Some some college coach is giving out king-size Snickers. Yeah. <laughs> That's one way to put it. We'll, we'll find out who's giving out the king-size Snickers. Yeah. Because, I mean, I'd, I'd commit to a school that gave me a king-size Snickers. That's, that's for sure. That would be impermissible right, benefit. My number one, the little bags of gummy bears. Gummy bears are my favorite candy. All-time favorite candy. I w- I, I've always been a Black Forest guy, but I think I may be kind of transitioning over to Adibo. Because Black Forest has gone organic. And if you've had the Black Forest organic gummy bears, they do not taste the same. They do not have the same texture as the chemical-laden Black Forest gummy bears of the past. I want the chemicals back. I don't want organic. I don't want healthy candy, even though I know it's still not healthy. If I'm going to eat pure sugar, give me some chemicals with it too. I'm already doing enough damage to my body. I want it to taste right. Is gummy bears a common thing? On candy, so like I'm, I, I, it's more common now. It's it's one of those. It, it didn't happen very often when I was a kid because they didn't do the the individual little packages of them. But now they do. Now you can get several different brands, and you can do gummy bears, gummy worms. I think the Audibo ones they they do some of the different like the Coke bottles or the 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 cherries. Uh, so that's one that actually because I have to buy candy to hand out. That's when I've I've kind of discovered. I was I've always been a gummy bear, gummy worm eater. Like if I have to pick a candy, or if I'm on the road and I want a you know sweet treat pick me up, and I can't get at some ice cream or something like that, I'm going gummy bears or gummy worms. So to be able to get a little mini bag of gummy bears, and also <laughs> to be able to buy them to give out at Halloween, and then have 
75 little mini bags of gummy bears left over at your house. Greatest thing ever. Yeah, I don't know if that's just like a generational thing. I, I didn't, like, if we did top five movie candies, I might think gummy bears would be in the top three. I didn't connect it with Halloween. Yeah, no, as a kid, I, I don't think I ever got gummy bears at Halloween. That's that's one I've just learned about through giving the candy out. And, and it is, but it's pretty common now. I mean, any store you go to, you're going to find competing gummy bear companies with individually wrapped packages to give out at Halloween. Oh, man, I can't wait for the holiday this weekend. Um, maybe I'll just get myself a personal gummy bears and, and put it to the test. I haven't had gummy bears in years. Oh, do it. Do it. Get the get the Audibo All-Star mix that has the bunch of difference. Or, ooh, you could go high-end and go to the candy store and get the gummy sharks. The gummy sharks are, are really, really good. Hey, I'll, I'll trust you on that, Andy. Come on. You've never had the gummy sharks? No, I I, I have. They're, I don't I I don't want to push they're back. They're blue. I don't with with marshmallow yeah, yeah, I've on had the bottom. Those. Oh, I'm not a psychopath. So I I just I'm I'm I don't want to <laughs> push back in too hard on your categorization of Halloween candy. What do you think I'm going to cry? I just I don't think that it counts. I get that you don't respect my list. I don't care. I respect four out of your five. You come to my house, you're getting hooked up. And I also. <laughs> I also am appalled by your offense to the king size game. Listen, that's more just I'm not going to be that guy. If I was not a person who had to give out Halloween candy, I would be all over the king size stickers. But this greatest, greatest thing ever. You know, if I got it in my bag as a kid, I would have celebrated. But as a person who has to responsibly distribute Halloween candy, that's just not a precedent I'm going to set. Okay, so I'm looking on Amazon right now at how much uh, king size Snickers cost, and uh, mm-hmm. they are pretty expensive. It's oh, 24, yeah. 24 or fifty bucks. Oh my gosh! Well, so how many I've bars a, do you have to buy? No, I, I, how much? How much candy do you buy? That's what I was going to tell you. I I didn't do. I didn't keep the clicker on last year, but it was. We had over five hundred trick or treaters. Oh, okay. So I didn't realize you had to invest a grand to do this. Like, and that's a real sociopath. <laughs> I don't think it would be a grand. I think if you went to Costco, you would probably you would probably be able to get that for about 200, 200 bucks. But that said, that's still two hundred bucks. That's a lot of money. I've spent money on worse things. Have you ever heard of video? Yes, you poker? have. <laughs> By the way, I, I mentioned a receipt earlier. Uh, it has been sent to me. Nine hundred seventy-eight fifty-eight. Who sent that to you? A person who shall remain nameless. And it says Texas didn't cover the spread. So, hmm. I know who sent it. Was that Stu? It was not Stuart. Stuart never sent something He, he like already that. outed Stuart's me on his podcast, so I didn't know if he was doing it on this one. You did put it on the internet, Ari. You do realize that when you put it on the internet, it is for public consumption. It was a fun day. I don't have any regrets. No, and... It, it's so much fireball. You got a li- little bit of Prosecco. Do you think that I had that all by myself? No. Okay. I just like people have been acting like it's. How many people were there though? I think eight. Okay. This is a, this is a very respectable. But I think uh, only four of them were guys and the girls weren't drinking the fireball. But there was food on there and stuff too. That was just the the tail end of the game when they when Herman decided not to go for two on multiple occasions to go for the win. Yeah, there there was there was some young lady that uh, that was killing the prosecco. <laughs> yeah, I'm guessing. Yeah, I know. Unless it was one it's of the you guys. I, it's, the it's the person I live with. Yeah. <laughs> well, 
hey, you should have given her some fireball because she can put it down. Yeah, no, she. Uh, That's a lot of prosecco. She had some fun too. <laughs> All right, Ari, it has been a pleasure. Happy Halloween to you. Enjoy the games. Enjoy the the king size Snickers bars that that you will go out and buy to celebrate that moment that one landed in your your Halloween bag. Changed my life forever. <laughs> All right, everybody, have fun with the games. I will talk to you on Sunday morning as you are making your brunch, and you're probably going to be extremely hungover from Halloween. It's okay. Talk to you then.